0: a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. All right, everybody, welcome to the Other People Podcast. I'm Brad Listy in Los Angeles. It's nice to be with you. Thank you for listening. I hope you're doing okay. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow the show on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. So it is Friday, and it is time for another flashback episode. Today, you're going to hear me talking with Matt Johnson. It's an outtake from episode 364, which first aired on June 14th, 2015. That is coming up momentarily. A quick reminder that I do uh, an email newsletter every week. It's free. You can sign up at otherppl.com or bradlestie.com. I would love it if you subscribe to my newsletter. It's pretty simple and straightforward. I let you know about the latest episodes of the show, and I also share links to things that I've been reading and finding interesting. So if you would like to hear from me in your inbox once a week, Go sign up for my newsletter at otherppl.com or bradlisty.com. Likewise, the Other People podcast is listener supported. If you like this program, if you listen regularly, I hope you will consider showing your support over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Join the Other People Patreon community. It's a sliding scale. It's easy to do. Patreon.com slash otherpplpod. So, today's flashback features an outtake from my conversation with Matt Johnson in episode 364. It first aired on June 14th, 2015. A quick reminder that if you like this flashback, if you enjoy what you hear, you can go in for the full conversation. All episodes of The Other People Show are available to listeners without obstruction. So, have at it go listen to episode 364. It is there, waiting for you. Matt Johnson's most recent novel is called Invisible Things. It was published in 2022 and was long for the Penn Faulkner Award. He is a Philip H. Knight Chair of the Humanities at the University of Oregon. His other books include the novels Loving Day and Pym. Over the course of his career, he has received... A variety of awards including the American Book Award, the United States Artists James Baldwin Fellowship, the Hurston Wright Legacy Award, and the John Dos Passos Prize for Literature. So fun to revisit this conversation with Matt Johnson in episode 364. What was it eight years ago? Oh my god. All right, let's do this. Here I am talking with Matt Johnson eight years ago.
1: And I've been writing since I was a young man. And I barely got reviewed the first 10 years of my career. I, I, I didn't get a New York Times review of any kind um, until the last novel. So and How many have you written? I've written four novels. I've written four graphic novels, I think. And I wrote a book of nonfiction. And
0: you illustrate as well. You're, you have, oh, no. I don't... No. I
1: can't, no, it would be really sad. It'd be Matt Johnson's stick fi- figure. Okay, as. okay. No, I write the scripts. And then uh, I work with an illustrator, which is really cool Yeah. Um, when I do comics. So, uh, yeah, those... I mean, really, like, my first book i got a washington post review but that was kind of it as far as major paper and on the second novel i didn't get any and i thought my career my literary career was basically kind of you know done well
0: yeah because you know the second book it's a there's a pressure on that one it's supposed to outperform the first you're supposed to get more reviews and not less right
1: yeah and so in and and uh, it was basically uh i've never seen anybody have a late career um breakthrough I just hadn't seen it. I hadn't lived long enough, I guess, to see that. I'm sure it happened, but I didn't see it. And I saw, like, other people who, uh, you know, other writers, particularly other writers of color, coming out and, and breaking out, like, immediately, my age. Like, first, Juno Diaz um, blew up. And then, um, you know, uh, other people, Colson Whitehead. And, you know, I heard stories that, you know, uh, this woman, Sadie Smith, coming over from London, and, and then ZZ Packer. So, you know, my idea of like how it works is if it, if they're going to like recognize your work, it's going to happen immediately. And if they don't, you're going to get put into this kind of lower tier for the rest of your, your life. And low, by lower tier, I mean, less people are going to be looking at your work. Not that the work isn't as good. Right. So I'm, that was my assumption. And, um, you know, and I really like hit an ego wall on that.
0: You get depressed.
1: Oh God, man, dude, <laughs> I went to a reading. My editor was there. I went to this reading in Brooklyn, and uh, it was when the second book had failed completely. Like it, fa- it failed in such a like an amazing way. It didn't fail because the actual book, because nobody read the book,
0: right? Right. <laughs> like, so it couldn't possibly have no, failed. It wasn't on a critical
1: failure. It was a non-existence failure. So, but what I mean by that is that. It just wasn't in the bookstores it wasn't in barnes noble it wasn't in borders the indies were really struggling and and you know a few of them had it but mostly they didn't because they didn't know who i was and nobody else did and and it wasn't reviewed so it really kind of almost didn't exist and it was you know i i still love that book um but it 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 just wasn't out there so i was freaking out about this because you know it's when you have a book it's kind of like you're throwing a party right and like the the book comes out And your house is just all ready for the party and you got your dip out and everything. But there's a moment before every party where you panic and go, wait a minute, what if nobody shows up? Right, right. You know what I mean? And like the biggest party and the worst party, they all have that same moment. And so I had that moment and then nobody showed up. Yeah. Which, you know, when you work on these things for three, four years and then nobody shows up. Or eight or nine. Yeah, right. It's heartbreaking. So, uh, you know, I went to this reading in Brooklyn at the end of it. Um, I think it was, it was a reading for L. Alexander, and he'd done this big, um, really uh, smart kind of uh, event night where all these different people were reading, and there was music, and it was it was lovely. But I went, and as I read, I ripped the pages out of the book like one by one, and just dropped them on the floor out of a very nice hardcover, and just ripped them out. And in my head, I was like, "I'm ripping these out because I'm never reading from this book again. This book is dead." You know, and that and I. That,
0: it's a little dramatic, right?
1: Yeah, but I wasn't even trying to be dramatic. It was just like it was one of those moments where I was having my my, my breakdown, like, on stage. <laughs> it just happened to be on stage. Like, I wouldn't have my breakdown at, at home, but I was there, so it worked out. And, uh, you know, my editor at the time saw it, and he was like, you just seem like a lunatic. Like, I just thought, this guy's going to go off, and, you know, I'm never going to hear of him again. And And oddly enough, later he became my editor. He wasn't at the time. Just oh, like, so he
0: was just there watching.
1: He was there in the crowd, yeah,
0: and he saw this performance. yeah,
1: Chris Jackson is uh, is uh, the best editor I've ever worked with and and um, for me and uh, just um, just a, a wonderful you know editor.
0: And I you know I want to get to that, but I want to finish like this uh, this low point because yeah. I think there are a lot of people. Uh, who listen to this show? Who might uh, have a similar oh yeah feeling? No yeah. one's ever going to read my stuff. I'm never going to break through. Yeah.
1: Well, the thing is, what, what then? What do you do after that? Yeah. Right? Because um, because I, I had to say, okay, my worst nightmares happen. Nobody's looking at my stuff. Um, does that mean I stop? And uh, you know, no, because I'm a writer. at I, I, that one, and my expectations, like it was, it was good. It was good in the sense that it burned a lot of my ego down. You know, and the ego gets in the way, not just of you as a person, but also you as an artist, right? And so uh, it burned a lot of it down. And then at that point, I was like, okay, almost no one is probably going to see these books um, that I'm working on. But I still have to make them. I still have to do them. So Why? Because uh, cause I'm going to die. <laughs> and I want to look back. I want to be in that, that senior moment before the exit. And I want to say, okay, I i i didn't waste my life you know i i created a sandcastle you know even if even if inevitably the the waves will take it away and, it, and there'll be no trace of it i want to know that i did something like that um before i left and so uh you know i kept writing and, I, and my assumption with the the third book third novel i did pym was that um knowing, which was which was your breakthrough yeah that was that was it and no one was going to see it. Like, I really didn't think anyone was going to see it. Um, and by anyone, I meant outside of a very small community. Like, I was thinking it probably would, would you know, reach a couple hundred people and then, um, and that would be it. But I was okay with that because I knew I could also, there was a freedom there when no one's, when no one's looking, you can do whatever you want, you know, and you're not worried about what, what you know, um, what these, this group will think or what that group or like, what, you know, what, what will the, the award committee make of this? You know, like, well, there is a
0: freedom to it. There's yeah. a freedom to anonymity. Yeah. And, and by the way, now that you're a Mr. Cover of the New York Times book review, that's no longer the case. So that yeah. I mean, as wonderful. Somewhat, uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> but I mean, it's in the context of books, well, I mean, but yeah, it, yeah. now that that has happened, subsequent novels, it probably will not be possible to write with quite that sense of freedom.
1: Well I mean that's when I felt on uh, but before this right because like um, that, this, th- that was a little scary. it was it wasn't as scary as I would I thought it was. Um, but it was a little scary because uh, after PIM because I was like oh crap, now they're gonna read this right like, now people <laughs> and, now, and also like the one interesting thing you get when you're first out the door I don't think I don't hear people talking about it is there's an assumption when you get reviewed well I'm a nobody. So because I'm a nobody, either they won't review the book or, or they'll, they'll, they won't try and destroy me because I'm a nobody. It's not worth the effort. Right. You know? Right. But so then when you start to get a little name, you go, oh, you know what? If there's actually more benefit for them now trying to take me down. Yeah. than there is in actually liking what's going on. Sure. And, and, you know, we all know of certain reviewers who have a tendency to praise, um, you're going to name names. No, <laughs> no. Um, praise early career people and, and then take down people who are more established. So, you know, there, there was that question and, I, and that'll be out there. And it's a weird thing when you get reviewed because, you know, um, at this point, it, it honestly, it, it, it matters somewhat a little less even still. And it still matters immensely, but it matters a little less than when I first started. Um, because when I first started, I was just dying for somebody to say, Hey, everyone read this. And, and now I've been able to get a little audience. So it's, it's a, it's better in that sense. But there's this thing where like, you're putting your face out and you're with your eyes closed and you don't know whether you're going to get kissed or kicked. Right. You know, and everyone comes back and like, sometimes you get kicked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Do You read you the reviews. Used. I don't read the whole thing, cause not because of like some enlightenment, but because I'm, they're too painful yeah. for me to read. Um, so People tell
0: you, though, if it's good.
1: They tell me if it's good or bad, and I'll look. I'll read the first. I can tell from the first sentences, and then I'll look to the last sentences. Um,
0: Just scan it quickly for like, the pull quote? Yeah, it really quote. is like, it's like, okay, go, 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 go. All right, you're out. All right, you're out. You know, and,
1: and I've been lucky. Most of the reviews have been good. None of them have been like a total attack i mean some of them have been mixed but you know i've been really really fortunate yeah um so you know but still it's still like painful. Like they're all up in your grill like it's you know and and i i know in the future there's going to be some that are you know that are really vicious i haven't like i haven't had that yet but i know that's coming sure so you don't know if this is a new one and 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 but at this point it's nice because it doesn't ruin my career it's as much as it like really ruins my week
0: you know? yeah. yeah yeah yeah. which
1: is totally different well no it's <laughs> i like, would
0: old quote like a bad review spoils my breakfast but it never spoils my lunch right you know? if yeah. you can if you have the mental yeah. discipline to pull it off that way
1: yeah and if it, it and if there's a little less at risk i mean at this point like i know i'll get reviewed by a lot of different places so one really bad review even um in a very prominent place won't be the the death knell for me sure so um but whereas when you're starting like everything is hinged on: can we get this review at all? Can we get the New York Times to look at it? Can we get the Post? Can we get Boston Globe? Will they even look at it? And if they don't, so you're only going to get one or two glimpses. And when they do, if it's negative, it's it's it can be devastating. Sure. Because nobody else is coming to look at it. Right. You know. Well, and
0: the other, the smaller papers follow. I mean, if you get right. a glowing review in the New York Times, right. uh, then you're the all of a sudden you're going to be getting reviewed in the smaller dailies. Right. Exactly.
1: Right. So yeah, you're, you're trying to play Tarzan, you know, in this, in the sense that you're going from branch to branch to branch, right? And you need them to keep swinging.
0: Hey everybody. If you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called truth is the arrow mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long awaited craft book by Steve Almond And Richard Russo calls it quote one of the best books on writing I've ever read it's also the funniest by a country mile once again it's called truth is the arrow mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond available from Zando go get your copy right now wherever you buy books okay so when you pre uh, prepim, you're in this career low you, you feel like you have to keep doing this and you, cause you want to build your sandcastle. You have a lot of willpower and you, one of those people, you can't stop. Like, right. Yeah. You you have to do it.
1: Yeah. I, it wasn't even well, like a choice. It's just what I do.
0: And and you work every day. Like what's your, yeah. you, you seem like a guy who, uh, really, I mean, everyone who does this over a long period of time yeah. and produces work. Like you, you have a, a system.
1: Uh, I did for a long time. I mean, When I started writing, what I would do was, um, you know, I was single and I was, I was working at the electric company, answering phones for money. So every day I would um, come home from work, I'd collapse um, at about 6, I'd wake up at about 8, um, and then I'd have two hours to watch TV and goof off. At 10 o'clock um, I would start uh, like thinking about writing and hopefully get into write. Um, I'd write till um, about midnight, um, or sometimes it would. It would. Be, I'd start later and, and write later. By one o'clock, I would print um, whatever I had um, written, or at least save it. And then the next day, I would take the the pages that I did to work, and I would edit them during that day. And then at night, at ten o'clock, the first thing I do was start edit, um, taking those corrections and work on those, and then write new material. And so, at the, I wrote the first novel. Um, that first year that way. And then later I had different versions of that. Um, like it, it always changed because of life. Like when I got with my wife when we moved in with each other, you know, we had, I had a social life. I had, we were together. You know, so, <laughs> I had the
0: same experience. Like suddenly you're doing shit. Right? You're like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> so then all of a sudden I was getting up at six o'clock in the morning because I was working at, um, at Viacom during the day. So I get up at 6 or 7. This is in New York? This is in in New York. I live in Harlem. And I write for two hours. And then um, I would uh, go in and and read the pages then and then restart in the morning. And then later, you know, I had kids. I teach full-time. I'm at the University of Houston's uh, PhD and MFA program. Now I just steal my time. Um, so yeah, because three kids. Yeah,
0: that's a lot.
1: Yeah, so every morning is spent getting them up, getting them dressed, getting them out of the house, all that, right? And then every evening is spent, you know, um, working on homework, getting dinner done, um, getting them down for bed. And when they're done, my, I'm mentally burnt. Yeah. And then my my hours during the day will fluctuate. What I try and do mostly is I come in when I get in. I you know I'm fortunate enough to have a job where it offers a lot more time. Sure. So I come in now and I might teach at one that gives me nine to 11 to write. And if, you know, I teach at ten thirty, maybe I get out, I get, to, I try and steal two hours in there. So like I'm actually happy about the gorilla days because they taught me how to manage my time a lot better. The other thing is like a huge thing for me was accepting when I can't write because before what would happen was I couldn't write. So I would get mad at myself for not writing. And then I would get depressed. You get cranky. Yeah. And once I was depressed, it was harder to write. Right. And so I put myself in these holes and they would spin for months because I would, it it, it got worse and worse and worse. And later I learned to absolve myself and, and trust that, okay, you can't write now. That doesn't mean you're not going to be able to write ever do other things. You know, it will come to you, take the pressure off and, um, you know, and don't get upset. Like, you know, I've been on sabbatical this last term. My intention was to write like a, a rough draft of, of what I was working on. Um, I got 75 pages in and even those 75 pages, I'm sure will get erased, but you know, I'm not upset with myself. That took a long time to get to that point.
0: Right. Well, and the thing too, you have kids, you have, you, you know, you have your day job, you have your family. Uh, it, it kind of forces a certain discipline. Yeah. I mean, hopefully. Because you, yeah, you're only I mean, going to have so many hours to work. Exactly. You either use them or they're gone.
1: Yeah. And of those hours, which ones you really going to be awake for, right? Right. <laughs> and yeah. So, the, you know, it's definitely changed. But, um, but I, you know, the weird thing is I always think I'm procrastinating. I'm not getting anything done. I'm not doing anything. And then I look back and go, oh, I, I got a lot done.
0: You do by word count or anything like that?
1: Um, no. Right, well, I used to. I would do page number. I would do three or five pages at a sitting. But now what I do is scenes. And it's, it's so much better for me because now I can, uh, I'll imagine a scene and the time before it, sometimes that two hours is just me going for a walk or going to the gym and in the back of my head, I'm thinking about that scene. And, um, and basically I'm not playing the whole scene out. I'm just imagining, um, a situation I can get into narratively that might create something interesting. Um, and, or, you know, a transition transitions between paragraphs or, or, scenes, that that's a lot of work like figuring out how to do this gracefully it's funny because like most of the stuff that we talk about as writers most of stuff's actually important about our books the book reviews the commercial book reviews don't talk about them at all you know like um in my the opening of my um, new novel loving day i have this thing where there's these people breaking into the house and you don't know if they're ghosts or or, or drug addicts and to get the prose down the rhythm on the prose, right? That that it kind of mirrored terror and mirrored anxiety, you know. And I and using, I started using these abbreviated sentences and going into this oral quality because it created this intimacy um, that made everything feel emotionally realer. Like that took a while to figure out how yeah. to do. Yeah. But no review talk. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Reviews are this is what happened. This I like this and this sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, You're like, do you realize
0: what I went through to get these right? pages? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. It was standing, standing in my privileged position going, do you not understand the sentence structures? <laughs> um, you know, but uh, yeah, and stuff like that. And and uh, so a lot of my working is, is off the page and I'm thinking about how to get myself into that situation. And then when I hit um, the page, I can go right into that situation. And sometimes simple as come up with the first sentence or come up with the first idea. And then see what happens after that, because I don't want to know what's going to happen. Because I write everything off the page, or most of it off the page. When I go to write, it, it's dead. So I want you to feel the tension I feel as a writer. There, I mean, part of what part of what I've been doing with the books, not every it does, you know, we're all doing different things. Part of what I'm what I'm doing is trying to walk out on the edge, and then do a little dance. So there's a tension from me and and from the reader. Am I going to fall flat in my face?
0: All right, everybody, there we go. That was today's flashback. My conversation with Matt Johnson in episode 364. It first aired on June 14th, 2015. A reminder that if you like what you just heard and you want to hear the full conversation with Matt Johnson, episode 364 is in your feed. It's there. It's accessible. So search for it, find it, listen to it. You can find Matt Johnson on the internet at mattjohnson.info. Please note that Matt is spelled with one T. He's also on social media, Twitter, and I believe Blue Sky, maybe Instagram. I know he's on Twitter, he's great on Twitter or whatever's left of Twitter. You can read his books as well. His most recent novel, Invisible Things, is available now wherever books are sold. It was a pen, Faulkner, finalist. Long listed. Don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow this program on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. If you love this show, you can join the Other People Patreon community at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter. It's free. You can subscribe at otherppl.com or bradlisty.com. If you would like to be charitable, if you would like to do me a quick favor, please rate this podcast wherever you listen. Give it a rating. It takes two seconds and it really helps. It helps the show in the rankings, the algorithm. It helps the show find new listeners. So please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. If you would like to get some other people apparel, a t-shirt, for example, you can do that just go to otherppl.com scroll down look for the t-shirt you can't miss it and finally a quick plug for my latest novel it's called be brief and tell them everything available now in trade paperback ebook and audiobook editions i narrate the audiobook so if you want to read my novel it's called be brief and tell them everything all right so coming up on sunday i am going to be in conversation with Emily Rapp Black for another Craftwork episode. This one involves how to approach quote unquote truth in creative nonfiction. So, very excited to have Emily Rapp Black back on this program. She's brilliant, she's also hilarious. All right, stay tuned.